Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. The Pill. When it first came into our lives 50 years ago, it was a game changer. It allowed women to take full control of their fertility, giving them the options outside of no sex or have a baby. But why hasn't it changed much since then? Today, we look at the political reasons behind the lack of innovation in female contraception. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Last week, I walked around the Mamma Mia office and asked my female colleagues whether they'd ever taken the contraceptive pill. Of the 30 women in the building at the time, myself included, 29 of them said yes. The one who said no also said, that's why gayness is beautiful. When I asked them this simple yes or no question, I very rarely got a simple yes or no answer. In fact, I had responses ranging from yes, but the pill messed with my mental health, to yes, but it didn't work for me or yes, but I'm going off it soon because I'm worried about what it's doing to me. And yes, but why is this still something we have to be solely responsible for? But when the pill was first introduced to Australia on February 1st, 1961, it was hailed as a moment of momentous change in women's lives. It gave us freedom from unwanted pregnancy without having to avoid intimacy with husbands and partners. It gave women more power when entering the workforce, which they did in increasing numbers but it took quite a bit of effort to get the pill into our hands in the first place. At the time of its introduction, there were several factors all working in conjunction to both help and hinder its road to the pharmacy. There was a global population explosion. There were fears among rich white people of an increase in the birth rate in the poor, not white population. And the standard moral debate about women's sexuality and reproductive rights. There were concerns about its side effects in light of the tragic birth defects seen in children whose mums were prescribed thalidomide for morning sickness. The religious debate was also present, the Roman Catholic Church taking a strong stance against the use of contraception. If it wasn't for Margaret Sanger, an American birth control activist, sex educator, writer and nurse, along with support from the woman behind London's first family planning clinic, Mari Stopes, the pill wouldn't have been invented at all. They encouraged researchers Gregory Pincus and John Rock to keep doing the research, even though the medical establishment was reluctant to fund anything to do with fertility control. The trials went ahead in the 50s in Puerto Rico and Haiti and then approved in 1960. They left in the 28-day cycle complete with the menstrual week purely so they could convince those against it that it was simply mimicking nature and not killing embryos. It would be released as Anavlar in Australia in 1961. 
It was easy to take, small, discreet, and way more effective than anything that came before it. And other than some tweaking of the levels of oestrogen, which caused nausea and weight gain in the early days, the contraceptive pill as we know it hasn't changed much since. But why? In nearly 60 years, no one has thought any more about how women can control their fertility, even though there have been nearly 60 years of women saying there are serious side effects, and that they haven't been informed as to how messing with their hormones can actually be quite dramatic and damaging. Well, the answer lies not in a lack of science or innovation, but more about politics. Louise Keogh is a health sociologist and senior lecturer at the Centre for Women's Health, Gender and Society at the University of Melbourne. Louise, why hasn't there been anything new for the pill since its inception all those years ago? Yeah, so I guess some of the issues that we have now are falling birth rates in a lot of developing countries. So there's not a lot of incentive to actually provide a drug that's going to further reduce birth rates. There's also no consumer demand, so there's not kind of a massive movement like there was in the 60s around the sexual revolution calling for these types of drugs. And then the other major factor is pharmaceutical companies need to know they can make a lot of money out of it. And I guess they've already got a saturated market of women using existing methods. There's not much financial incentive for introducing a new method. So there's some of the kind of factors that I'd say are at play So basically it's because it's a women's issue and it seems to be a poor women's issue that or someone from a low socioeconomic background, so the emphasis is not very high on innovation for people in that category. Yeah, and women's concerns about the pill and its side effects have always been kind of diminished and dismissed. I think that's changing a little bit with a big study coming out with very firm evidence that it does affect mood. I think when women have gone to their doctor and complained about effects of the pill in the past, they've often just been um, ignored or trivialised, whereas I think that is changing. So that's kind of hopeful that that may play into it. One of the things that I think would help most, um, especially in developing countries, is more male methods of contraception. So there's countries that rely very heavily on the current male methods and there's been no improvement in those for 400 years. So we're talking condoms, essentially, is the only form. withdrawal, abstinence, or something like a rhythm method where only having sex when the woman's not fertile. That obviously requires both men and women to be engaged in it. But, yeah, the methods that men can control are extremely limited. And I think having more options in that department would be really helpful. But there's been very little call from men for that type of technology, and that may change with a younger generation. And the only countries calling for male methods are countries that do have population problems like India and China. We hear about it all the time about a male pill and it never seems to get off the ground. Is there pharmaceutical technology? Yeah, the science is all there. There's lots of different ways you can do a male contraceptive. You only have to reduce the sperm count to one million per mil and that's adequate to produce a contraceptive effect and there's various different ways that that can be achieved. There are side effects. One of the main problems they have with the technology is actually a delayed return to fertility. So it might take six months to a year for fertility to return to normal. But I don't think that would necessarily be a deal breaker for especially young men. But there's often concern when there are side effects with these male contraceptives, they're just not pursued. Whereas, you know, we know the side effects with the female contraceptives are massive and for some women very bad. 
So there's a little bit of a difference in how side effects are viewed for male versus female contraceptives. Now, some would say, but hang on a minute, contraception for women has had some innovation over the past 50 years. We have IUDs, we have implants, a lot of people talk about the marina. Is that actually contraceptive innovation or are we essentially just doing the same thing via a different method? Yeah, they're really just new delivery devices for the same hormones. So if you have a problem with the hormones in the pill, you're likely to have a problem with all of those other methods because they're delivering the same hormones, just just in a different way. I think the marina, in that it is a very low dose, can be more tolerated by some women, but the uptake has been very low in Australia, especially amongst young women. But they're all the same. They're just innovative delivery. That's all you can say about them. There are currently talks of a monthly pill, and this is not the one that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's researching, which is a slow-release pill that stays in the stomach for a month, because that's essentially just another delivery method. But there's talk of a pill that can be taken once a month when a woman's period is delayed to prevent pregnancy. The issue is that this type of contraception isn't necessarily preconception, like the pill is, which stops the egg from ever being released so it can't be fertilised. But the monthly pill may stop an egg from implanting into the uterus wall, something anti-abortion activists say is a post-fertilisation fertility control agent, seen in the same light as a medical abortion. Louise, so this again leads us back to the religious and conservative views having an impact on women's fertility and it has nothing to do with the science. Yeah, we've had similar issues with emergency contraception, which operates in a similar way. It operates in between fertilisation and implantation. And, you know, it has been very slow to be taken on in Australia and um, the rates of women using it when they could are still, I think, below where we would like to see them. So the fact that we haven't really even fully um, sort of got the value out of emergency contraception would suggest that something like that is going to face similar problems. There's still a lot of judgment around how women manage their fertility It's a space in which women feel judged but also then self-judge because the message they get from society is we've solved the conflict between sexuality and fertility, we've resolved that with the pill, so if you're still having problems, really, you're doing something wrong. And I think women do internalise that, so there's still, sadly, a lot of um, guilt and shame associated with managing fertility in Australia. If you think that in 2019 most people are coming around to accepting contraception, remember that just this year, a federal judge in Pennsylvania had to step in at the last minute to stop the new Trump administration rules that would see restrictions put in place on women being able to access birth control for free through their insurance because their employers objected on religious or moral grounds. And right here in Australia, happening right now under the Morrison government's new religious discrimination laws, your pharmacist could refuse to provide you contraceptives because they morally object due to their religious beliefs. The only stipulation the government has on that is that they have to object to every person who asks for it and not be selective. So with women fighting to hold on to the contraception they already have, it's no wonder there's not a lot of fight in those trying to create newer, safer, better options. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Ellie Beatty with audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie. And just a quick update, since publishing this podcast, we received an email from Brizzy gynecologist Amy Mellor, who was concerned about some of the information scaring women out of using a safe and effective form of birth control. 
She says the Marina does not deliver the same hormones as the pill. It is a progesterone-only device, so contains no estrogen, which is often the hormone responsible for mood disturbance with the pill. In the past two decades, there have been a number of advances with the pill, with newer pills containing less synthetic versions of estrogen that more closely mimic natural estrogens, resulting in fewer side effects and less mood disturbance. Thank you for that feedback, Amy. If you want to give us any feedback about an episode, you can email us at mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie.